He was an expert in our industry, somebody who people held up as one of the best. I couldn't believe it, quite honestly, when I was given the opportunity to go to work for him, to be part of his team. But what I discovered very quickly was he was a terrible leader. She was someone I was intimidated by. Not everyone was a fan of hers. She certainly had her detractors. I wasn't sure what to make of her. Then I went to work for her and discovered she was an incredible boss. Today on the show, my worst and best bosses of all time and what we, you and I, can learn from them. Welcome in to episode number 26. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with Russ Hill. This is the Decide to Lead podcast with me, Russ Hill. Welcome into the show. This show is for those who aren't yet the person they want to become and for leaders who are looking for tips, hacks, ideas, anything that's working to achieve and sustain extraordinary results. I work as a leadership coach, consultant, and author, so my day job is I typically, most weeks, am somewhere in the world interacting with leaders, usually of a Fortune 500 company, but sometimes smaller than that. They could be national restaurant chains, the largest retailers in the world, auto manufacturers, healthcare companies, manufacturers, food services, you name it. Um, we work in that industry. And this podcast is a place where I can casually, informally, once a week, share some of the observations I'm having as I interact with, coach, consult with thousands of leaders around the world. So, so glad that you downloaded the show, that you're listening to it. If you're new to it and you haven't done it yet, if you find value in today's show, I'd encourage you to push on or click on or tap on that uh, subscribe button in whatever podcast app you're using. That just makes sure that every week, once a week, when the show comes out, it automatically downloads to your phone and you can listen to it whenever you have an opportunity during tomorrow's commute. Um, maybe when you're uh, racing off to the airport, waiting for an oil change, mowing the lawn, running on the treadmill, wherever it is, um, the show will be there for you. Okay, today I want to talk about the best and worst bosses I've ever worked for. And I think there's some good lessons in here. And uh, I'm going to start with the worst and tell you a story about that <laughs> that I, I've been trying to forget for many years, but it's just ingrained in my memory. And, uh, and then I'm going to detail some of the things that leader did that caused me to really not want to work for somebody like that. So my hope is that all of us, myself included, can look at that list of things from that experience and go, okay, make sure I'm not doing those things, right? And then I want to tell a story of the reality is I've worked, I've worked for numerous bad, ineffective, not great leaders. Good people, I'm sure. Some of them, I have more clarity around their integrity and their values and the quality of their character than others. So some of them are good people but just not great at leading others, or they weren't great when I was involved uh, in working for them or with them. Others, uh, I've worked for numerous great leaders. The list is has a lot of different names on it. And so I, it's hard for me to pick out just one. And in previous episodes of this podcast, in fact, just a couple ago, back in 
uh, what was it? Episode 24, I believe I shared uh, a, a story of one of the one of the greatest leaders I've worked for. And so I've, I've got numerous examples to pull from, but I want to tell one a story I haven't told so far in these uh, shows. And I want to go through a list then of, well, what what made that leader so effective or uh, made me want to work for them? And so we're going to go through that list. And that's the list we want to duplicate. Right. So let's start with. Uh, Let's start with a story about one of the worst leaders I've ever worked for. To set this up, I should tell you that at the time I was working in the news business, in the media world, the media industry, and uh, I was working in radio actually at the time, and this leader was someone whose name I became familiar with. He worked in a different market. In fact, at the time he worked in, in well, I, I don't want to give out too many details because I'm sure this leader has gotten better as his career has gone on. So I, I don't want to provide too many details, but he worked in one of the five largest cities in the United States at a very well-known media brand. And he had great success there. And then he, he relocated to a different market, a different city in the Western United States where I was living. And, um, and, and the opportunity came up. We were both in the same market. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I could actually work for that guy. And his name was one that was familiar to me because I read it often in industry publications. He was winning awards. His teams were winning awards in the news business. They were recognized wherever he went. His teams were recognized as being some of the best in the uh, in the country, and and people that I respected who were um, industry writers would regularly quote him, and so they they clearly viewed him as an authority in our industry, and so he was up on a pedestal in my mind, and I was you know younger in my career, I was in my in my twenties and still you know really trying to figure out where I was going to go in in my life and in my career and. And I was a reporter and anchor at the time, a news reporter, news anchor. And so anyway, long story short, I, I uh, applied and, and ended up meeting with him and I ended up getting hired. And so I went to work for his team and I couldn't believe it. Like, wow, I'm working for this leader. He's so well respected in our industry. And through a series of events, a sequence of different experiences I had, I came to realize Oh no, <laughs> this guy might be an expert. He might be really, he might know his stuff, but he is not someone I want to work for. Let me tell you one story in particular. I got married um, to my wife when she was graduating from college and I had very, I, I came out of high school and uh, I went on what we call a mission for the church that, that I'm a member of. So I, I went away for two years out of high school and, uh, and, and went and did that, volunteered and gained a lot of great experience. And so then I came out of that and now I'm, now I'm 21 years old. I've got no college credits to my name. I end up getting hired into the media business in Salt Lake City. I work for several years there. So my career is going places, right? I have better jobs than most typical high school graduates have. And so I, I kind of debated whether or not I needed to go to college. But it was very clear to me for a, a couple of different reasons that I won't get into here that I needed to, that that was an experience I needed to go have 
and in order to become the well-rounded individual that I wanted to be. I'm not suggesting that's right for anyone else. At the time, it was right for me. And so college became a priority, but I needed to go back to school, if you will, in my in my early 20s. And so I was working for this leader who I highly respected in the media industry, and it became time for me to go back to school. So instead of being full-time, I wanted to be part-time. So I walked into his office, and uh, I asked him if we could talk about this real quick. And I said, here's the situation. College is really important to me. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I didn't do that in order. Uh, you know how most people do high school, then college, then a career kind of got it backwards. And so I, I need to, in the coming months, not right now, but soon, you know, down the road a little bit, I need to lower my hours here, become part-time. I still want to be on your team, be a part of the team here. And uh, and have an income, quite honestly. I wanted that too. And uh, and so I need to go part-time and, and, and go to school full-time. And let me just kind of describe this situation. This leader, I mean, I don't think he ever made eye contact with me in this conversation. I don't think I sat down. I don't think he invited me to. I don't think he sat down. I, 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 and, and if the timing was bad for the, that conversation, he didn't offer for me to come back or suggest to come back a different time. He just kept moving, like kept going, doing, doing the stuff in his office. You can kind of picture that and moving around and I'm having this conversation. He's having the conversation, never looking at me. I'm talking about like major life decisions and he's not paying hardly any attention. And then, you know, he turns to me for a second. He's like, Russ, that that's stupid. Like he started berating, like attacking my decision. And I think he didn't use the word stupid or called me an idiot. I mean, I, he was that kind of person um, who used language like that as far as adjectives about his employees. Just incredible, quite honestly. And uh, and and why would you want to go back to school? What are you doing? You're going to throw away this career. And this conversation is happening, you know, while, while he's moving and and. And I, you know, I may, I responded in some way and like, well, but this is important to me and whatever else he said, well, I think you're, I think you're totally damaging your career. I, I don't recommend that at all. And no, we wouldn't, we actually wouldn't be able to work on that at all. I'm sorry, Russ wouldn't be able to do that. And then he like walks away. <laughs> he just kind of walks out of his office and I'm left there. I'm thinking, what in the world just happened? And at that point, like I can specifically pinpoint that moment. I decided I no longer wanted to work for him. I didn't want to work for somebody like that. So let me go through a few of the the uh, list items that I made that were demonstrated in that experience and others I had with this leader that made him clearly, in my mind, one of the worst leaders I ever worked for. I would never judge someone entirely off of an experience just like that. But that experience I just described for you was indicative or representative of like all of my interactions with him or most of them. So what made him not a great leader in my mind? Well, first, he took all the credit. And that's not demonstrated in that story. But what I began to realize in other experiences I had with him is there's a reason he's quoted in every industry publication. He's seeking that attention. And he's the one who wants all the recognition. So he literally all the time took all the credit for any successes his team had. Number two, he was quick to blame. Like he, he took all the credit and, and shoved off 
or allocated or pushed on every other people all of the blame anytime something went wrong. Third item I'd put on my list about him, too emotional. Way too emotional in, in the way he interacted with him, with us as his employees, which I think is really important for leaders not to be too emotional. That, By the way, that could be positive or negative um, in how leaders uh, engage with the people that they work with. He was too emotional. He had no patience and he showed very little interest in me or my development. It just was speedy. I mean, couldn't sit down and on a less um, extreme scale and in a less extreme example, I would tell you that there are so many leaders, quite honestly, that I've interacted with either coaching, consulting or working with in my career who they do have a challenge of doing what that leader did and that just constantly moving around. If I walk in your office and I say, I, I start talking about a major life decision. If you're super busy at that particular moment, I need to respect your time. But the way to communicate that is to, for like alarm bells to go off in your head. Oh, wait, this employee, this person's coming in with a major thing. And I, man, oh my gosh, I'm late for this and I got to do that. All of that's real. But if you can stop for just 15 seconds and acknowledge and and have your tone, your body language, everything reflect what I just walked in and presented to you, that's a good leader. Now, after 15, 30 seconds of that, you can tell me, hey, Russ, this sounds really important and it's something I want to talk to you about. I, now, my challenge right now is I've got this meeting or that call or whatever, And so can I get my assistant to get with you or can we, you know what, can we look at doing this in two hours or tomorrow morning? It's important to me. I really want to have this conversation, but don't keep moving. Don't keep going, like acknowledge it. And then for that conversation to happen where we didn't sit down, we didn't have time. He didn't look at me in the eyes. He didn't treat that seriously. He didn't probe any deeper is crazy. And I'm as extreme as this example sounds, I'm sure actually that I've done it and I've done it. I'm sure a lot of times with people who worked for me, with me in places like work for sure and church and community groups. So it just, you know, those things that those experiences he created for me, lack of interested in my development, too emotional, no patience, quick to blame, taking all the credit. Just those are things that I would I would encourage all of us to seek to avoid as we lead others. Now, I want to get to the better example, a story I want to share here in the second half of this podcast episode, a story of a great leader I worked for. This second story I want to tell about one of the best leaders I've ever worked for involves a, a, um, an executive in the media business who I, I wasn't as excited to work for as I was this terrible boss that I told the story about. This, this leader, um, she, she had her fans for sure. And she had detractors, people who would, you know, quietly whisper criticism and second guess some of her decisions, her choices. And so I I went into working 
for her and with her with a, a fairly open mind, but I, I had some concerns. Now, to set the stage for this particular story I want to tell, I it's important that you know that at the time um, of this particular experience I had, I was struggling as a new leader. We had an employee engagement survey that was done in our national broadcast company that revealed I needed a lot of help as a newer leader, as a younger leader. My people did not really love working for me. And that's saying it about as nice as you can possibly say it. In other words, I was a disaster. I was, I was not a good leader. And one of the areas that the employee engagement survey revealed that I needed help in was in, uh, well, <laughs> like every area, quite honestly, but one in particular was helping people feel that I was interested in their development and connecting with them individually, like that I really cared about them as a person and wanted to help them develop. It wasn't all business and wasn't all task oriented. And that was a weakness of mine, big time. I was a task master at the time as a, as a new leader, a new manager um, in my early 20s. And so I, um, these the survey results had come out, and this particular leader, what she did, her name was Chris. I don't mind giving you a little bit of detail about her because if anyone listening can make the connection of who she is, that's fantastic because she deserves it. So Chris called me into her office um, one day, and she she talked to me about an employee on my team that was really good. He was exceptional. And and so she was asking me about him and this, that, and the other. And I was telling I was I was just um, raving about him. And she said to me, you know, Russ, this is a, this is a classic example of where you have an opportunity for a win to show people how much you care about them. Have, like, have you communicated all this praise that you're sharing with me for this employee? Have you shared it with him? And I said, well, yeah, I think so, Chris. I think I've done that. And she said, okay, you really need to think about that. And and have you, like, recognized it? Have you done anything special for him, given him an incentive or something, any kind of recognition around it? And I said, no, I haven't. And she said, let's do this. She said, um, you know, we've got some money in the budget in these areas, and she controlled our station, the radio stations. Uh, oh, she was the general ma- general manager, so she, top position at this particular station and reported up into our senior leadership at the uh, National Broadcast Company. And she said, you know, we got money set aside um, in the budget for, you know, different incentives and different things. So what, what does this employee need? And he was, the, the employee that was doing such a fantastic job was like a young college kid. He was really young and a single guy living in an apartment, that sort of stuff. I think actually he just bought a new house or a condo or something like that. And I said, well, I know he's been talking lately. I've heard him in the newsroom talking about his need for some furniture. And, you know, he's out buying it. She said, anything in particular? And I, I remembered that he, I'd heard him talking about a washer and dryer. And she said, well, let's buy it for him. And I thought, like, what? Like, buy a washer and dryer for an employee? She's like, yeah, like, let's totally um, take some of the money from that budget and let's use it and let's just let's let's invite him up. Why don't we do this like tomorrow or the next day, whatever it was? Let's invite him up into my office. You lead the discussion and let's give this gift card to him 
for a uh, for this uh, uh, company, this uh, retailer, and will give him enough money to be able to go buy a nice washer and dryer for his new place. And this was so confusing to me. Like I had never, <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but I had never thought about that, like spiffing employees or using, like doing something like that. Like it had never crossed my mind. And so I thought, wow, okay, yeah, we could, yeah, I could do that. And so I set up the appointment with the employee, the member of my team. I scheduled it. I told him that I wanted to have lunch with him and the general manager, which was a big deal because you don't normally eat lunch in the general. We ordered like uh, takeout. We had it delivered to the, or we had someone pick it up and bring it to uh, our general manager's office, to Chris's office. And she worked up on one of the higher uh, stories in our building overlooking the downtown area. It's just a beautiful corner office, big space. And, uh, and it was a big deal to be able to go to Chris's office and spend time with her. And so I said, let's do this. I, you know, I want to get us together with Chris and, and have lunch and, 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 and celebrate some of the successes we're having. So I described it for him. We had lunch and Chris looked to me, let me lead the, the lunch discussion. It was casual, right? And so I just talked to this employee about what a great job he was doing and how much we appreciated it. And that as a token of it, that's something that Chris and I had talked about is we wanted to take care of. We knew he was moving into a new apartment or new condo or whatever it was. And we wanted to, we wanted to, on behalf of the station, uh, the company, buy him a washer and dryer. He was shocked. Like, it was the biggest, I know it sounds so dumb, a washer and dryer. It meant the world to him. And I got so many points out of that, if you will. So much credit. He was so grateful to me. He was so grateful to Chris. We had a great lunch. It was so good. And uh, and he went out and then Chris coached me a little bit after this employee left. And I thought about that occasion uh, often in the many years since that happened. And that was one example of where Chris was one of the best bosses I've worked for. Now, don't get me wrong. Chris had her faults. No leader's perfect, right? You get the good, bad, and the ugly with any of us. So she had plenty of challenges, just like I do and any other leader does. But one of the, one, some of the great things about Chris, look, think about that story. She took none of the credit or very little of it. This employee had no idea that I wasn't going to do jack squat for him. Not even tell him what a great job he was doing. But Chris was developing me, coaching me. She did it all. It was all her idea. And yet she gave me all of the credit and she coached me through it. So on my bullet point list of what made Chris such an effective leader, um, she developed me. She let me own the successes and victories. She, um, she was interested in helping me. She, she owned you all. This is so critical. My low employee engagement scores, she partially owned them where it would have been so easy for her as a leader to go, gosh, can't believe we got that problem. We have that problem down there. I can't believe Russ. Well, 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 you know, I can't, we got to figure out what he, what his issue is. She owned part of that and she made it her mission to try to help with that. She saw potential in me and wanted to develop me. And so she took it on. 
And she didn't do in a way uh, of like performance improvement, like Rush, you better improve that. She did it in a in a way that made me feel like it was just part of my development, part of her helping me. So good. Oh, my gosh. It was so good um, from a leadership development standpoint. There were other experiences. I continue out kind of the bullet point list of what made Chris such a great leader. Some of these weren't demonstrated in that story, but they were demonstrated in other experiences I had with Chris. She believed in me. I mean, I was young, you all. Terrible taskmaster, obviously, as demonstrated by the employee engagement scores, but she believed in me. She she advocated me becoming a manager. She developed me. Um, she had energy. <laughs> And Chris was a, a source of motivation. You went to her staff meetings. You went to you interacted with her, and she just she drove um, a lot of the energy and motivation we had in that place. She understood the role of a leader in the the organization or the team is going to have as much passion and energy often as the leader does. If you're a drag on it, the or that team is not going to have much passion or energy or urgency. The team is the reflection of the leader, right? They're going to have as much urgency. Uh, they're not going to have more urgency than the leader. They're not going to have more passion than the leader. They're not going to have as much motivation, uh, any uh, more motivation than the leader. So the the team is a reflection of the leader. And Chris had a lot of energy and was very motivated, had urgency. And as a result, we all did too. I appreciated that. That's part of what made her one of my best bosses. When you worked with Chris, you were working for a cause, we had certain charitable things we were trying to do. We had certain things that we were trying to do with the community. It wasn't just about ratings in our business and revenue. Those were critical numbers, and you had clarity with Chris that those were absolutely critical. We had to deliver on revenue, profit, and ratings, but that wasn't everything. And the, those were a means to being able to fulfill the cause we had. If we didn't have enough revenue, if we didn't, weren't driving enough profit, if the ratings weren't high enough, we weren't able to fulfill our larger cause or purpose in the community. So with Chris, she talked about that cause or purpose a lot. It wasn't just those numbers. They were a means to an end. Chris was interested in me. Um, think about the difference between my two stories. The first leader how he interacted with me on that question I had or that request I had of him, and then how Chris did. Just totally different demonstrations in interest in me, interest in my development, interest in my life. Chris knew my kids' names. She she was, she was would commonly, frequently ask me about things that were happening in my home with my wife, with my little kids, which had nothing to do with work. But she was interested in me as a human being. And my last thing I wrote down as I was thinking about what made Chris a great boss was she let me do my job. She hired me in an area of expertise and she was involved for sure. She had opinions, no question about it, but she she treated me as someone that had expertise in that area and she was going to let me go run it. And that is critically important too. So today on this episode, I just wanted to share those kind of two contrasting stories, those two different examples of leaders I've worked for. I just cause I just ask you to think of in your experience, who's the best leader you've worked for and what made him or her so great? And maybe it's not just one leader. Maybe it's several leaders. What made him great? Have you taken time to write that down? Again, it might be a leader you've interacted with at a community organization, the church you attend, 
the the place that you work. It could be a leader in your personal life, like a parent or a grandparent or a neighbor. It could be anyone. What? Why would you call them? Why would you label them one of the best? And if you haven't put a, some bullet points out or a list of items, I'd encourage you to do that. And then which of those items are you reflecting in the way you lead or interact with others? And then I'd encourage you to do the same thing I did. Worst leaders, some of the most ineffective leaders that you've worked with. And by the way, I am on some people's list, if they were making that list, at different times in my career, I've absol- I should absolutely make their worst uh, leader list. And so the story I told about a leader here, I'm not branding that individual as one of the worst leaders on earth. I'm sure he's gotten better, just as hopefully I've gotten better from my early days of management. But in those early days, man, I, I, was, I was not a great leader. And so make a list. What is it, the bullet point items that made that leader one of the one one of the worst leaders in your experience and then make sure you're avoiding doing those things or minimizing how frequently you do those things so just food for thought today that's my job on this podcast give you some ideas cause you to think about how you're leading others and um, man i'm so grateful i've so often thought about chris and the example that she was and how she helped me as a leader and it's really motivated me to try to do some of those things for other leaders or, or people that have reported into me or that I've worked with throughout my life. That wraps up episode number 26. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast. And I would greatly appreciate it if you would tell somebody about it. Share it with somebody. Post it on social media, either a link to the podcast or the name of it, and or tell somebody at work or home about it. That's how this podcast has grown in our uh, in our 25 episodes so far to the thousands of people that are listening every week so grateful for your time thanks for listening and uh, connect with me if you haven't already on instagram or facebook linkedin or twitter most of my uh, social media posts are on instagram and you can connect with me at, at russ leads that does it for show number 26 we'll be back with you next week right here on the decide to lead podcast have a great week everybody